show was recorded live before cartoon audience. And now, straight from a small ship off the coast of Norway, the Jibber Jower Power Half Hour. And I'm Mary. And this week, Mary is dead dreadfully ill. Oh, I'm not dreadfully ill. I'm getting better. I don't sure. want to go on the cart. Sure, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. <laughs> I don't want to go on the cart. But, um, Mary, tell us about your news article this week. Well, the news article, it looks like Apple apparently lost another prototype of the iPhone. This time it's the iPhone 5. Um, last year, about this time, they... They lost the prototype of the iPhone 4 in a German beer hall in Silicon Valley. Well, it was sold subsequently to to Gizmodo, and they bought it for about $5,000 in splash details all over the Internet. This year, it got misplaced in a Mexican restaurant and bar in, uh, let me see where it says here. The Mission District, right? Yeah, San Francisco's Mission District. Um, It was... It, it was picked up and sold on Craigslist for $200. That's ridiculous. You couldn't buy the iPhone 5 for $200 when it's released. <laughs> the guy who I sold think, that was a moron. <laughs> I think they're doing this on purpose. I really do. I think somebody every year is is misplacing an Apple iPhone on purpose so people have that kind of excited, you know, oh, what if I find it or what if I get it or you know, it's like, oh, I want to read all the new details about it. That's that's not released yet. It's it's that kind of taboo situation that people are going after what they can't have. You know what I mean? But wouldn't it just be easier to have like an insider, like you know, mail a ver- the the iPhone five to them, and be like, don't tell you when I did this. This is highly no. illegal. No, because it'd be it'd be too direct that way. You could totally trace it back to somebody. This way, it's like if you just misplace it, the bartender doesn't know who you are. You know, and they're like, oh, shit, somebody's phone. You know, that sort of thing. And the, the, the bartender immediately is like, I'm selling this and I'm on, on Craigslist. That's right. For $200. That buys a lot of tequila. That does buy a lot of tequila. <laughs> movie. All right, movie time. All right, this week I'm talking about Carrie, the Stephen King classic from 1976, starring Sissy Spacek, who, despite being covered in blood for most of that movie, was kind of sexy. Uh, in, in a very frail and waif-like. She was, though. She had those, those freckles Freaking on her cheeks. Face. and uh, There's something about freckles. I just, mm, I don't know what it is. Like... But uh, that movie, and, and I think and Mary was talking about this, but this continues my, the spate of me talking about just really messed up movies. <laughs> you really do, man. I'm telling you, Train Spotting, Carrie, oh, you're messed up. Clockwork Orange. <laughs> All great movies. You can't deny they, the greatness of the movies. They were great though. movies, but you seem to have this fixation <laughs> with I this just, type of movie. I'm trying to bring these movies back into the public consciousness. All right. They're trying to hide them, pop, pop them deep down in the dark cellar. I'm trying to bring I them back out to the light. I won't knock your noble task. <laughs> noble task? <laughs> well, you're talking about it like, you know, you're talking about it like you're doing it for everybody else. I am doing it for everybody else. All right. Seriously, I mean, these are great movies, and I think everyone should watch them. <laughs> okay. Only if they're over, like, 18, though. 
Oh no, I'm talking about fifth graders. Pregnant women should not watch them. <laughs> fifth graders should watch these movies. These are movies. No. That... no? I would never put a put a fifth grader in front of any of those movies that you. <laughs> never. Are you kidding me? Do you think I'll give them uh, bad dreams? Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. Uh, uh. <laughs> What's your movie, Mary? Well, my movie, alternately, is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. It's Super Troopers, um, directed by Jay Chandrasekhar, um, written and starring the Broken Lizard comedy group. I'm putting this one up um, because my sister and I were talking about what movie I should do, and she really recommended this one. So there's a shout-out to her. Always bound to the family. I know. I know. I can't help it. I moved here for them and stuff. Anyway, uh, this movie, it's really hilarious. It uh, takes place in 2000, the fictional town of Spurberry, Vermont. It's supposed to be near the Canadian border. Um, It centers on five Vermont state troopers who seem to have more of a knack for pranks than actual police work. And they they seem to be kind of going out of business, like they're starting to lose their government funding and stuff like that. So they're faced with a couple of different things. Um, It's not all fun and games when they discover that – they uncover a potential drug, drug smuggling ring, but I'm not going to tell you any more of it. Just watch the movie, you guys. It, I, I promise, you won't be disappointed. It's not. It's not just kind of stupid, stupid stoner comedy. It's actually really, really well done. <laughs> it's just. I mean, it doesn't matter how bad you feel. I always laugh when I see this movie. What you talking about, meow? <laughs> Am I saying meow? <laughs> uh. All right, this week in in music, um, I've decided to choose an album by one of my favorite artists of all time, Tom Waits. The album's name is Mule Variations. Um, It was released in 1999. It was his first studio album since 92's Bone Machine, which actually was a really great one as well. Um, He won, the album won Grammy Award for Best Contemporary Folk Album, and he was nominated for Best Male Rock Performance on the track Hold On. Um, I think he was—he's really been kind of undersold in a lot of um, contemporary music areas, especially to the general public. He's a really great artist. Um, it was hard for me to decide when I went to go pick an album which of his I wanted to pick. I know I wanted to do a Tom Waits one, but they were all so great. Um, some of the really great tracks on here: um, "Get Behind the Mule," "Chocolate Jesus" is another good one. Um, Come On Up to the House is, is really great. He just has this kind of, you know, bluesy, gritty. Did you say you Chocolate know, Jesus? I did say Chocolate Jesus. So you is it to... is it like a black Jesus or is it like a <laughs> milk chocolate Jesus? Just listen to the song. It's a good, it's a great album. Um, again, I say, you know, it was hard for me to pick, but um, anyway, it was, it, I picked this one mostly because it was released a day after my birthday in 1999. That was about its only, that that's the only reason it was put <laughs> a step above any of the other albums for whatever reason. I, I just couldn't decide. So that was kind of my coin flip as it were. You're a softie at heart. I am a softie at heart. And I like Tom Waits. I mean, there's just something so, I mean, he's like oil and lace together. I mean, he just right. is so. There, there's something sexy about a man who gargles broken glass. <laughs> he sounds like he eats bottle brushes for breakfast. 
All right, this week my album is uh, The Way of the Vaseline, which is a compilation album um, of the Vaseline's work. Um, they formed in 1986, released two EPs, both of which are in the compilation, uh, called uh, one was Son of a Gun, the other one was um, Dying for It. Now, the reason I bring this up is because the Vaseline's were a, a minor influence on, uh, on Nirvana, which is, which is a topic we're talking about for the main, the, the, for the main debate of this show. Um, three main songs are, um, are really known by them. Molly's Lips, Son of a Gun, and their version, Jesus Wants Me for a Sunbeam, uh, which that they did, the Nirvana recorded for um, their Unplugged album. The other two appeared on their, uh, originally I believe, on their on the Hormone EP, which was released in Japan and Australia only. But uh, the Vaseline's, you know, they're, they only had like 10 songs, but, you know, all of them are like just way out there, crazy and good. You know, it's just something that I think any Nirvana fan should listen to. You like the crazy ones. I do like the crazy ones. <laughs> the Point. Now we come to the point of the show where we talk about a uh, interesting topic that we've picked. Um, I know this this show's been a little bit James centric because I'm not feeling well and I sound kind of crummy, but I will try to talk a little bit more about what's going on. Anyway, on to the topic at hand. Um, what we picked was, or what we decided to talk about was um, the best '90s rock band of the of the time. And uh, I've I've really had a hard choice between you know two or three bands, but um, James, why don't you go ahead and talk about yours first? Well, you know, I kind of ran into this similar situation. There's there's two bands from the '90s that I really felt were both influential and awesome, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of hinted at it in the, in the music section. But uh, one of them is Nirvana, obviously. I'm mm-hmm. a huge Nirvana fan, and you know, and they and you know. And I, I like to I like to say that the day Kurt Cobain dies, the day I discovered music, because that was I think it's sad to think it's sad to say, but I was I was like a I was like a thirteen or twelve thirteen year old who had never heard um, Teen Spirit. Smells smells like Teen really? Spirit. I heard it that I heard it for the first time on um, on Channel One that day when they announced he was dead, and mm-hmm. I, it totally changed my life. You know, I was lucky enough to have an older sister who was really into the the music scene and stuff. So I was introduced to that stuff at an earlier age than most, I think most other people would have been. I think my brother was into some different stuff, you know, like Metallica and that sort of thing. And, you know, way back when they were pretty awesome. But um, I think I was a little bit more affected by my sister's choices, to be honest, since I lived with her um, and not necessarily my brother. But anyway, yeah, Nirvana's, I'm going to have to agree with you. They are one of the best, definitely. It's kind of sad that Cobain died, but I mean, look at the look at the effect his death has had. It's like you you even said it yourself that was the day you discovered music. Would you have been so affected or so you know fond of their music if he had not died? You know, I I'd like to think that I would have still discovered the music eventually. Mm-hmm. But um, but I wouldn't. I don't think it'd have been quite you know the same thing. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Because I don't know. But um. The other band of the two bands that I thought were the best band, one of the best, probably the best bands of the '90s, the other one was Tool, who had an entirely different, you know, kind of a uh, kind of thing going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're, they're more in the uh, the uh, the progressive rock, progressive metal kind of genre. I do love progressive metal, but um, they uh, you know, they had those um, 
Opiate, which was, you know, you know, an EP. It had, it had a couple live things on it, but it had Opiate, the song Opiate on it, which was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then they had Undertow, which was an all-in-all brilliant album. I, I, I mm-hmm. love almost all the songs on that album. They had Anemia. Anemia. Enema. <laughs> Don't need friends when you have enemas. <laughs> but uh, then they had Enema, which was, you know, a, a completely brilliant album. Probably one of the top five albums of the decade. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I mean, I've I've listened to it even just recently again, you know, after hearing it for the first time. You know, when I was younger, um, I couldn't I couldn't really get into it. I don't think I had quite the music appreciation that I do now. Um, but, you know, now that I'm a little older and I've listened to especially like progressive metal and rock and things like that, it's like I can really I can really like, you know, begin to like it a lot more than I did in the past. Right. But, um, so, I mean, I mean, I, I'm torn between those two bands, you know, because I love both of them and both of them had like a huge effect on my, on my, on my yeah. musical taste. But, They're both really good. Yeah. I mean, but, I would be, I would be torn between them too. Um, my, my bands actually, I have, I had a really hard time choosing and just narrowing it down to these three. But uh, they're all kind of the same genre, but they're all so distinctly different, you know, that they even, they just made their own names for themselves. They have their own kind of sound. Um, one of the bands is Stone Temple Pilots. I'm, I'm a big fan, you know, retrospectively, like I said again about Tool, it's like, I liked, you know, Core was my favorite album of theirs, which was in 92. I think that was their first one that they released. Um, but even after that, I didn't really listen to them until later on, you know what I mean? Um, another, the next band I, I'm going to have to say is Pearl Jam. That's one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, even just during the era in which they were around more often than, you know, recently, I think their last album they released in, it was in 09. Yeah, but, I think uh, so too. 10, 10 was an absolutely stellar album. I that, mean, that was an amazing album. It really was. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, between the, like, the, the three albums for, from Pearl Jam that, uh, that were probably the best in the 90s were 10 Verses mm-hmm. and Vitology. Mm-hmm. But, um, One of the cool things I like, about, I like about Pearl Jam especially is that most of their guys are the same guys. They haven't switched out a whole bunch of people. No, they're, most of that band's been together since like the, uh, the mid to late 80s. Well, 1990, yeah. Well, no, they, they were a band before they were a band. Before Pearl Jam. Oh. Mother, oh, yeah. They okay. were Mother Love Bone. The love Bone. Mother Love Bone. I'm telling you, Eddie Vedder could give me his love bone. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> anyway, the next band I'm going to talk about um, briefly is Bush. That's another favorite of mine. Bush? Yeah. I have to disagree with that. Really? Why? I mean, they had that one album, um, 16 Stone, I believe it was called. Yeah, um, 1994. It had um, Everything Zen on it, which was mm-hmm. a, a, a completely confusing and weird song. It was. And uh, what was the other one? I can't remember the name. There was, there was, a, there was a, one other single off that, I think. Who's the, who's, who's Machine the, Head? Machine Head, yes. Or Glycerin. Oh, there was two more singles. Those were both, yeah, those were both singles. I don't know. I just not, I never felt a draw. I never. I never. I, I owned Sixteen Stone, but mm-hmm. the, I mean, other than those singles, I didn't. I didn't really care for the album. But Razorblade Suitcase was a great album too. 
as the next album they made. Right. I mean, that just, that iconic picture of the, the fire on the front with that kind of distressed looking title, you know, it's like everybody had that one, you know, and it's like, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't like pop music, you know, where everybody got it because it was trendy. It was, it was good music. Mm, I don't know. The other bands, all, all the other bands, I, I could say in, in the '90s, at the very least, those bands were really, really good. You're, but you disagreed with me about Stone Temple Pilots. You know, I disagree. I, they're, I like their, I, I hate their second album, Purple. Despise it. I think you're disagreeing with me just to disagree with me. I am not disagreeing. Disagree, disagree with you. I disagree. <laughs> I, I loved Core, and Tiny Music yeah. was really good. Yeah. But Purple sucked, in my opinion. My, my it's my personal opinion. And uh-huh. I, I never really cared for Bush. <laughs> but you have to also understand, think... listeners, that me and Mary really have two different tastes in music. We do. We do. But I agree with your taste a little bit more than you agree with mine, I think. I mean, I think, though, I think if we'd gone, you know, non-mainstream, we should probably point out that we, we, both, we both agree that we would, we would pick mainstream bands. To be the best band of the nineties, <laughs> yeah, so we couldn't pick anything that nobody had ever heard of because they'd be like, "What the hell?" Right. I don't think anyone would be like, "Even like if you never heard of them, how could you be the best band of the nineties?" That doesn't make any sense. But right. But so we exactly. decided to pick mainstream bands. So it was. So I think. It, it, well, and we had to we had to narrow it down too to you know rock band. It couldn't just be any kind of band. Right. The closer me and Mary get to mainstream, the more similar our tastes are. But like when you get when you get past mainstream, like. Very different. Like I don't listen to anything that comes out of Norway. <laughs> I think there are just some irrefutable rules about classics. You know, it's like if they're the best band, there's a reason. You know what I mean? Right. Like they have to be good on some level. There has to be some amount of agreement with the general populace. Otherwise, they wouldn't be considered good. Right. I, I totally. I mean, I, I don't think I, I don't think I've met a person who was a fan of rock music who who was who was really around in the 90s in the sense that you know there were teenagers in the 90s who, mm-hmm. who didn't say that nirvana was one of their favorite bands right on some level now i'm not saying they're their number one but probably maybe top 10 right you know I, they, you know it's hard, it's hard. Well, i think i think part of it also has to do with you know there it was just that time and it's like music has a powerful way of evoking memories and emotions it's like oh, i remember where i was when i first heard this song or you know i danced with my girlfriend at the prom at this song or whatever and it's like you know you just you re- you remember that kind of thing and it's like music has has that effect on people so it's like picking these these albums or these bands it was kind of hard because it's like i have i have a special connection with maybe one this band or this album or something but i can't i can't put every connection on there you know so it's like i have to choose between you know do i want to go nostalgic or do i want to go you know actual good music or at least you know believed to be good music or whatever right it's an important difference to make i mean there there are some there are some bands like like your um like last week you did president of the united states of america for music right and uh and nostalgia wise in my opinion, I, I like the band, but it's really for nostalgia reasons, I think, more than the quality of their music. I don't know. I really liked it. <laughs> I mean, they may not have been the most influential band and they may not have been the absolute best band, but they were so different. You know, it's like their songs were so 
I don't know, kind of fun and out there, you know, as compared to just being out there. Right. I respect that about them. No, I, you know, every band has its own niche and, uh, you know, and, and, and the ones that find their niche are the ones that be the, that, that make it really. Right. But you can't overuse it. You know what I mean? Like you'll just start getting tired sounding after a while. I'm looking at you, Creed. <laughs> oh, don't even bring Creed into this. Oh my God. Oh God. Oh. But they, all their songs sound the same. Well, a, a lot of those bands, you know, Creed was, Nick, they had like what, two or three albums in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, something. And then they just kind of died. The whole, I don't know. Well, Scott Scott Stapp kept showing up to concerts drunk off his ass and couldn't sing. <laughs> well, you that's, know, I, I have to point out, if I was a famous rock star, I'd probably show up to con- concerts drunk too. Well, that's probably how you would make your music. <laughs> You'd have to be drunk to do something like that. That's true. <laughs> Me personally, I'd probably be stone cold sober because that's when I'm the most creative. I'd be like, "Woo, yeah, <laughs> drunk." I'd, I'd be over there on the corner of the stage, just like my hand, my hand on my face, just like, "Ugh." <laughs> and that's why it's why our band would break up. <laughs> <laughs> I'd break up before it even started. I could, I could sing, you know, when I'm not sick. What would you do, James? I would attempt to play the guitar. <laughs> I've heard your guitar playing. That would be an attempt. <laughs> hey, you know what? One of us has an album. One of us doesn't. <laughs> Who's heard of your album, James, except for me? A bunch of people have heard my album. Uh-huh. At least 10. At least That's 10. more than they've heard your album. <laughs> well, I, that, maybe that'll change. Mm. Are you saying you're going to make maybe an album? The- Maybe those 10 people that heard your previous album will like the next album where I guest vocal on. Mm, yes. My, I think it was more the, uh, the my singing that did me in than, than the guitar playing. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Because <laughs> uh, I can't sing. I know. I was uh, I was doing karaoke the other day, and like I heard myself through the speakers. It's never a good thing to hear yourself <laughs> through the speakers. And I was like, oh, my God. What song did you do? What was I doing? I was doing, uh, what was it? I was doing uh, um, Came for the Soul. <laughs> Why wasn't I invited to this? Because you live in Kentucky, Mary. Oh, that's true. I do. I do. Well, I'll have to get you on Skype when I do karaoke someday. We can sing We, can sing we Are the Champions or something. Oh, yeah. That's some drunk singing right there. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody, my sister, this is a funny story and completely off topic, but it's really great. My sister and I went out for my birthday uh, this past year in April, and uh, we went to a bar, and they had a karaoke area, and the last song of the night was Bohemian Rhapsody, and boy, I tell you what, I have never seen so many drunk people, like, singing and swaying, and I mean, it was just the funniest thing. That's some drunk singing right there. It was like a great ballad. It's like even even if you are falling down on your face, can't hardly, you know, get two words together to get a taxi home or whatever. It's like you know the words to Bohemian Rhapsody, I and think... you will scream them at the top of your lungs. <laughs> that's exactly what you do. That's that's the kind of song you do that for, though. <laughs> it really is. The Bohemian Rhapsody is like a special song. It is. It is. There's there is a special place in in the American heart for. 
for Bohemian Rhapsody, especially since it came out in Wayne's World, you know? Yeah. That's the that first time hilarious. I ever heard it. Love that movie. <laughs> I probably watched it, I don't know, like 50 times or something when I first got the video of it. Yes, the videotape. Oh, my God. I feel so antiquated. You are antiquated. I know. Not as antiquated as you, though. You'll always be older. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Pop culture. All right. It's time for pop culture. Um, this week, I'm kind of doing something more that more like Mary's, you know, line of, line of uh, interest. But uh, apparently they found the body of Ned Kelly, the, the famous Aussie folk hero. and uh, Or, if you're on the other side of the law, terrible, terrible criminal. <laughs> but, you know, I'm always on, on, the, uh, on the side of the, uh, the folk hero. Yeah, of course you would be. <laughs> he only murdered three cops, but... Only. He, only. And he was hanged in, in 1880. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beheaded because for some reason the English are all about beheading people after they hang them. I don't get it. Who questioned the the beheading and hanging ritual last week? That was me. That was you. That was me. I don't get it. I still don't get it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> However, they however, oh, nonetheless. But so but the thing is, so after he was beheaded and hanged and whatever else they did to him, they threw him in a mass grave with thirty three other people. And then went on by their business for like a hundred years. And then they, they dug up the mass grave again, moved into another jail, reburied the mass grave. And then just recently, they, they um, after recovering the skull, which for some reason was not buried with them, but uh, was stolen and recovered. It was stolen in 1978 and recently recovered. But uh, they compared that DNA with the DNA they found of one of the bodies. And they discovered mm-hmm. that. It was him. He had a bolt hole in his leg, uh, which was uh, consistent with what happened in the shootout with the cops. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think it's really cool that, uh, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like finding Robin Hood's body. You think so? Kind of. I mean, but people, he didn't steal from the rich and give to the poor. He, he did, did battle he? the rich. He may have given to the poor, but he, 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 did, he did take on the, 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 the law, and he took on... Um, you know, greedy land barons. Oh, you gotta, you gotta take out, you gotta take out those greedy land barons. That's true, especially in the un, unforgiving Australian outback. Exactly. I mean, like, it's ridiculous to think that uh, that um, that he was not at least, you know, I'm sure he was a criminal at heart, but mm-hmm. he, he, I'm sure he, you don't become a folk hero by being all bad. Well, a lot of people would have to agree with it. It's like the it's like the one guy who stands up against the the government, like Braveheart. Right. You know, he he was he was one of those guys. He was kind of that. You know, he's he you feel like he's doing the right thing, but he's kind of doing it in the wrong way, I guess you could say. Um, and that's not to say anything about Braveheart, but you know more about Ned Kelly. It's like he could have he he might have been able to do other things, but he reacted the way he felt like was right at the time i guess and a lot of people loved him for it because they're going oh man that's exactly what i wanted to do but i didn't have the guts to do it you know a lot of people kind of kind of find a lot of um what's the word i'm looking for i don't know i'm sick Um, (laughs) that is not an excuse mary it's an excuse for me shut up um (laughs) 
<laughs> they find a lot of camaraderie with that kind of person. They they want to relate to the person who has the guts to do something, even if it's not the right thing to do. You know, I, you know according I to it, traditional law. I feel that exact same way. I, I feel a bond with Ned Kelly. You do? I do. Why? Because I want to stand to the government and the, and the, the greedy, greedy government and shoot some cops. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't want to shoot cops. <laughs> I was going to say next next week it's just the Mary show where James has been arrested <laughs> it's bound to happen eventually <laughs> well luckily luckily for us and very fortunately we live in America where we can podcast about you know whatever we want exactly alright science and history all right, guys, it's time again for Science and History. Science and um, history. This week, we've got a great topic. Apparently, an elusive logger, logger yeast was found in Patagonia. Um, deep in the forests of South America's uh, Patagonian region, scientists have tracked down the wild ancestor of the yeast that makes cold brewing ale possible. Um, the finding provides a missing piece of a centuries-long tale of beer drinking. Um, actually, right now, the beer industry is about $250 billion a year. It actually began with the first batches of European lager brewed in cool, dank caves in Bavaria. I mean, people have been looking for this type of thing for decades, trying to settle this this uh, kind of feud about it. You know, and it's clearly, I mean, they say it's clearly the missing species. You know, the, cool, um, the cool thing about this is um, I'm hoping as, as a beer maker, as a home brewer, that uh, they'll release the yeast as a, you know... For, for me to brew with because I just think uh -huh. it'd be so cool to brew with like the original lager yeast yeah that would be kind of cool I you want... know they have they have released um, several recipes that I've that they've found in uh, like Mesopotamian stuff for like ancient beer recipes right that you can actually make at home but did you they know? have the yeast available that they had yeah see that's the thing because yeast yeast plays a very important role in the flavor of the beer Right. You know, I mean, because you may have the same exact, you know, grains and hops and, and whatever additive you put in there, but you right. change the yeast, the beer is going to taste different every time. Right. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, that's just so cool. It's like, um, they don't really know. They believe that the forest yeast made its way to Bavaria's brewing caves as a stowaway when trade first began across the Atlantic. It could have been a piece of wood or even just in the belly of a fruit fly. Now think about how tiny a fruit fly is and how the possibility, I mean, just the astounding astronomical number that it would have to be for that fruit fly to survive that entire trip and plant that single piece of plant DNA in the form of a seed or its carcass or, or whatever, you know, and for it to survive. You know, it's like the Germans won the lottery. <laughs> German lottery. We don't win money. You win beer. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I just think that is amazing and awesome. How uh, the whole beer thing there. I mean, it's. I mean, beer's around so long. With having having be able to see the, an original strain of something. If it was only like three hundred years ago, right? It, it's still like you know the original. I mean, that is what German beers are founded on lager yeast. Yeah, and it just amazes me to no to no end. I know it's great. Um, the the yeast had actually proved to be distinct from every known wild species of yeast. It was ninety nine point five percent identical to the non ale yeast portion of the lager genome, 
So they're pretty sure, you know, that it's, that that's what it is. It's just amazing. Just amazing. It is. I mean, just, just, just astronomically, like I said, that, that chance, that possibility that, that it could have carried over. I mean, that's how a lot of things came over to America, even, you know, in crates and shipping lines and stuff like that. It's just, it's amazing. The human influence, even all the way down to beer that, you know, things like that have. I know. I know. YouTube. All right. This week's YouTube channel goes out to a uh, digital filmmaker. They do the ask a ninja show, which is, always hilarious i've been watching this guy off and on for a couple of years now um they had a great big hiatus there in the middle and then they finally came back onto youtube but uh, i was introduced to to this guy at a at an anime convention one year and he just like i don't know he must be the master of improv right next to those guys at on uh whose line is it anyway because he's just standardly funny all the time like he just says the most outrageous things and his mannerisms are just so over the top that they always they're always making me laugh and he does a lot of great different topics he gets really involved with a lot of the uh watchers and stuff so um how he does it is he'll make a video from a comment like somebody'll leave a question in the comment and he'll do his next video they'll pick a good one they'll do the next video on that one so i mean it's just <laughs> it's just all over the place one of the best channels I've ever seen. And it's real simply done. It's a guy in front of a green screen, basically just talking. There's not a whole lot of fanciness. There's not a whole lot of, I mean, aside from the fact that he's a ninja, you know, well, that's very I mean, he important. actually, he did a guest spot on uh, Mythbusters a little while back. They had a lot of ninja questions. So you can look that one up on YouTube somewhere, but they was on Mythbusters? every week or so. And he's got a, They've got a sister channel. Um, I can't remember the, I think it's called ask a ninja dose. And they do a lot of like movie reviews and stuff like that. The Ninja does. So I definitely recommend checking that one out for sure. Just be careful. You know, you don't get killed in the process. Yeah. Be careful with those ninjas. They're deadly. I know they are sneaky, silent and deadly like a fart. (laughs) Exactly like a fart. (laughs) Ninja fart. (laughs) That's the recipe of the month. All right, it's time for James's. That's me. Bachelor recipe of the month. Um, this week, I'm going to do my, uh, my my famous tacos. Real simple. You get yourself a skillet, a pound of ground beef. You brown that up. You throw in there um, some garlic powder, onion powder. Season all the taste, and then uh, as, as much chipotle as you can as you can stand. Um, really? Yes. It's oh, it's so good. And then on top of that, the key here is, and a lot of people are gonna be like, "What the hell is he talking about?" You go, you get yourself a can of pork and beans, open that up, dump it in the thing. Pork and beans. Pork and beans. Okay. Hey, I have a degree in culinary arts. I know what I'm talking about. I guess so. So you mix all that up, heat it to top, you heat it right. Then you go, you get yourself some corn tortillas, the small ones. You um, brush oil on them, put them in the oven at like 400 for a couple of minutes. They'll soften up. Then you just put your meat in there, throw some cheese, sour cream, whatever you want on that. Delicious. What kind of oil? Um, like peanut oil? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Any kind of cooking oil. Okay. So just real light kind of yeah, basting, just like, not a whole lot. No, just like brush it on there. It, it helps. It, it, you're, you're kind of like oven frying it. 
Would would a okay? Would a low fat alternative maybe they could brush water on there and soften them up? It's not going to taste the same. It really is not. It wouldn't be the same. No. Okay. Low fat alternative. You know I don't believe in old fat. Have you seen what I look like? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you blamed that on the Wellbutrin. No, I blame it on the Risperdone. <laughs> There's a difference. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um. Okay. So like, you could add anything you wanted to it. Yes. So like. You know, just regular kind of taco stuff. What about flour tortillas? Would that you know? I you know you can you can do whatever tortilla you want, but you know the real it's really just awesome with the, the corn tortillas. I, I I truly believe if you're gonna have a taco, any sort of taco type thing, you mm-hmm. know you got to use corn tortillas. You know if you're not if you if you have the time, you should really pan fry them for a couple. You flip it over one side a couple seconds, the other side a couple seconds, fold it in half. That's all you got to yeah. do. But it takes so much longer because you, you you can do like six of them in a, on on a, on a on a cookie sheet at the same time. If you just, that's you, true. But if you have the time and you're willing to put the effort forth, you should pan fry them. It's twice as good. Pork and beans, though, that sounds kind of cool. But it's really good. The, only, it, the, the the really important thing is with the seasonal. The seasonal has a lot of salt in it. You got to be careful because <laughs> the pork and beans are kind of salty too. Yeah. So you have, you got to kind of make sure you balance that out. Yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna have some well, salty food. Sounds delicious. It's time to say goodbye. And that's our show for the week. I'm James. And I'm Mary. Don't forget to visit IdealRebel.com and join us next week where I tie Mary to an anthill. Wait, that's not on the agenda. We still recording? Where's my beer? Ah!